0: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast.
1: Welcome to Second Amendment Radio, The Great Outdoors. I'm Mark Cox, along with Bo Matthews and Carl
2: Middleman. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here.
3: Welcome back, Bo. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for covering me last week. I had a little something to take care of. Um, and it. Uh, I, I do some some posting on Facebook. And Mark, you, you've referenced uh, my big stack of firewood. <laughs> Uh, I had five dump trucks uh, from a buddy of mine that donated them to me. Not donated, but it gave them to me. He didn't have a use for them. And my goal was to process it, and I got it done right before my procedure. Uh, so that was a lot of work.
1: I have to tell you, if the crap ever hits the fan, I'm going to Bo's house if I need <laughs> firewood because
3: it's impressive. <laughs> well, it was it's be, definitely been some work. Um, so, yeah, thanks for covering me last week, and uh, a lot going on. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Alex Salzman from the Missouri Firearm Coalition. She is one of the sharpest people I know sharpest Americans I know about uh, gun laws. And uh, you've had her on your show several times. How long have you known her? She's a
1: great patriot. It's been at least five or six years oh, when wow. I uh, first became acquainted with her. And we, we, we've we talked about SAPPA for a long time, the Second Amendment Preservation Act. They, the Missouri Firearms Coalition and other groups have been working on this for a long time. As you're probably aware by now, the governor signed the bill uh, last weekend and they've kind of been celebrating that because yeah. it's it's been a long road and it was in I, I believe she, and she'll she'll correct me on this if I'm wrong it was like in the last hour of the last day of the of the session so yeah. really yes. they drug this thing out well right the house, to the end
2: the house did it the day before. So the second-to-last date, and then the Senate did it like the very last thing on their agenda.
3: You know what? They got it done. That's all I'm worried about. It's true. So we're going to talk to Alex, and uh, also a buddy of mine, Brian Davis, I saw him on Facebook with a fish I've never seen before, and he called it a a 45-pound black drum. So we'll find out what uh, it took to get that whale into his boat, Uh, but a great picture. Maybe we can get that shared on uh, Facebook. It
1: looked like a carp to me, but he says it was a drum. You know, I can remember specifically... As a kid, we used to go to Dale Hollow Lake down in, it, it borders parts of Kentucky and Tennessee, and we used to go down there and we'd run a houseboat every year. Yeah. and We'd stay on that houseboat for a week, and we'd go all over that lake. But what you couldn't prevent in those big steel-hulled houseboats, those drum would get under that houseboat at night, and they'd click those stones together that they have, and the drums have a a stone in the top of their head, these stones, and they make a clicking sound. What? And you could hear that reverberating (laughs) through the whole boat. Oh, my goodness. I Specifically. And I'm thinking if that's really a drum and it's that big... I mean he he could start his own band.
3: That that, that that's a that, that thing is huge. Just need some cowbell. Oh, well, we're going to we're going to find <laughs> out what that story is about. Need more cowbell always. Don't we always? Ding, ding, ding. Um so yeah, speaking of and he caught that fish in the Ohio River. Uh, so we got into a conversation about float trips uh, with my uh, fellow uh, co-host on St. Louis Talks. And Ryan Recker has been on one float trip, and it was a horrible experience, um, and he'll never do it again. And that's what people do around these parts. Oh man! Um, and I know. And Carol says she's she doesn't think she's been on banks of rivers, but never has floated. I remember in Minnesota we'd float, and they had they would have because you'd have beer cans or soda cans and they they would have targets on the side of the river this is probably before you know EPA got involved but you would fill up that can with water <laughs> after you drank the contents right. and throw it to the target as you were floating by in your tube <laughs> and it, it was a great moneymaker for the people that, you know, collected those cans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even aluminum back in that day was worth something. But I loved float trips. I've always had great experiences. Have you ever done float trips? Oh,
1: for years and years. I, I used to live in the uh, upstate of South Carolina. Oh, Worked wow. in television down there for a while in Greenville, Spartanburg. And in nor- northern Georgia was just... It was like the, the wilds. It was just beautiful. R- remember the movie Deliverance because Ned Beatty <laughs> he died. Just died. Ned yeah, Beatty yeah. just died, right? I'm that was of, his
2: first movie. I yep. I
1: hear a banjo in my head when I think As of Ned should. Beatty. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, ch- the ch- that that was supposedly took place in Alabama somewhere, but it was actually filmed on the Chattooga River. In northern Georgia, Really? years ago, and because they have like class five rapids there, and that's where they went and they filmed this. But further down the river, down there, like Clayton, Georgia, uh, it, it it smooths out, and and we my very first float big float trips were on that river. It was just gorgeous, right? Loved it. And then there were others that. I had so much to drink. I don't have many memories of. Yeah. Were, but the drink, that. were the
3: Were the drinking floats in Missouri? I've done that too. Yeah. Oh, but Absolutely. you did. You did drinking floats down there too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I, I think it if kind of goes in there. you're floating, you're drinking, hand. right? But, but I mean, come on. I, I, I well, will say, not if you're a kid. This is. Well, to, I wasn't old. This is to prove, well, close to. A, I was old. Then. Close yeah. to of age. Uh but this is to prove that Mark Cox is kind to the local <laughs> people. <laughs> That's they right. didn't find him out in the woods. <laughs> Thank you. You were not the subject of deliverance. Wow. I'm gonna Ned Beatty. I am.
2: Not going to tell you about the time where I yeah, you wiped. Are. W- well, it, I went <laughs> fl- floating a lot more when I was younger, underage, and so uh, I usually I. This is when I didn't sunburn, and so I would be out in the sun all the time. Uh, there's the time where I got bit in the butt by a fish. Uh, there's the time that I had to go and uh, relieve myself outside of the water and uh, wiped with poison ivy. <laughs> then there's the time. Sorry about that. You haven't that. It cataloged. Uh, I remember these because they're all nightmares. And then there's the time that I stayed home while my parents went floating and threw a huge party in South St. Louis nice. that people still talk about. Wow. And that's and but then I started to go again. Once once you find out that you can drink on the river, I've I've gone uh, the White Rapids in uh, Colorado. Those are great too.
3: You're not doing a lot of floating and drinking on those things. No, you're
2: not because you have to pay attention or else you'll die.
3: It's working. You know, that's the reason I wanted to bring up float trips because it seems like. There have been so many drownings in the rivers in our in our region, mm-hmm. and it's frightening. And, and my wife asked me, she goes, Is it mostly kids? I said, No, it's everybody. Uh, I think the guy that uh, passed away just uh, last weekend was 51, thought he was an adequate swimmer. Undertow just sucked him down. And I mean, it's just amazing and very sad. I just don't know why people don't always wear life jackets. And now,
1: honestly, when I'm on a canoe but, or I'm Mark, on a raft I'm and an I'm, I'm floating, I don't need to. I'm not wearing a life jacket when I'm on the boat the kids always have one on when we go we, we insist they keep it on because they're going to jump off in the water and swim mm-hmm. and get back on it's just just common sense you know as a reporter at uh, channel four years ago i'll never forget uh covering that story out of castlewood where those yeah. four kids died in the, the the same incident yeah one went in to save the other to save the other and they all they were they all passed away which is unfortunate the, those rivers are dangerous they change from year to year. The currents change. The way the channels run, right. you you just can never take for granted because you've been there before that it's going to be safe the next time
3: you're there. It's serious business, uh, you know. And the first responders, God bless every one of them, that you know go in and, and try to find the victim yeah. or the bodies or whatever. Uh, but we're not, you know, it's not even just the floating uh, dangers. It's uh, the boating dangers. The guy down at the Merrimack, um, you know, there, I guess there's a famous rock. On the Merrimack, that if you can see this, the water is low, and you got to be really careful. And I don't know if you saw the story, but the boat hit that rock at and night. Oh, it was it at night? Oh, okay. Dark. Didn't know that they part. Couldn't see it. Uh, but what are they doing? You know, flying down the river. Thank and- you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so drinking and boating don't go together. The drinking but, and floating.
2: But now, hold on a second. You need to stay hydrated because it's hot out there. They're getting record temperatures. Yeah. Stay hydrated. Have a water, have a have a bottle of water with every beer.
1: You'll be see. safe uh, because after all it is Father's Day weekend. We want to make sure people are Happy Father's if Day. If they're on the river, if they're canoeing, if they're boating, whatever you're doing, just just be safe.
3: Yeah, happy there. Father's Day to you guys. Yeah, uh happy yeah, Father's it, Day. it is uh it is one of those things that uh you just got to really be careful. Of course, floating and drinking goes hand in hand. It's just it's part of it. But be smart and be safe. <sighs> can you can you really be
2: You can. I've heard it done.
3: There is nothing worse. Can we agree that there is nothing worse than a low, slow-moving river? And oh, when you, I would. Agree, I would agree when you with that. gotta work and when
2: hung over with a sunburn. <laughs> yeah. uh,
3: when, when that six mile float trip takes twelve hours because uh, the water's just not uh, just not moving. That's right? how
2: I got bit in the butt yeah. by a fish. The water wasn't moving. Okay. The fish that's thought why. I was food.
3: Well, at least it wasn't a shark. I I, I, <laughs> I used to. I have a pond on my property, and I used to swim laps in it. You know, when we've all gone up and down the weight and all that stuff. Well, I did that. And I was working out, and I was swimming in my pond, and my dog would swim with me back and forth. We'd do laps across this thing. And I was out there one day, and I had a carp bite my nipple. I'm done I'm done swimming in my leg. I'm done swimming in my leg. Anyway, so be yeah, careful out there. Yeah, yeah.
1: He, he might have been skinny dipping, Carl. We just <laughs> well, don't know. No, no I, I was just, not. No. But it's his pond, and it's it's out in the woods, so <laughs> nobody saw it. It's all okay,
3: right? It's good. All right, all right. we're going to talk to Alex Salzman coming up next from the Missouri Firearm Coalition on Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Thank you for tuning in.
2: More Cowbell, everyone.
3: She's a gun-toting woman, right there. Second (laughs) Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors. I'm Bo Matthews, along with Mark Cox. And uh, thanks again. I I know uh, we're into the show, but I want to thank you again for covering last week.
1: Hey, Bo, we all need time off on occasion, buddy. It's all right.
3: But I'm the new guy. I should get no days <laughs> off. Uh, got a lot going on in this segment. It is brought to you by Razorback Armory, St. Louis's top shop for everything. Guns and ammo on uh, Manchester Road in De Pere, just a half mile east of 270. Find them at RazorbackArmory.com. Go in and see Jesse and Brad and the crew. They'll take good care of you. And, uh, yeah, lots of things happening in yeah. the Second Amendment world.
1: Yeah, SAPPA is a big deal. It's also law now in the state of Missouri. If you don't know what that stands for, it's the Second Amendment Preservation Act, and we're fortunate enough to uh, have with us uh, on the Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors this week, uh, one of the people at the center of this fight, that is Alex Salzman with the Missouri Firearms Coalition, and they've been after this for a few years, finally got it done. And Alex, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Great to have you on here. I know you guys are probably still celebrating, but there's still more to do. We'll, we'll get to all that in a minute. First of all, uh, what did it feel like the day you saw the governor sign SAPPA? Uh,
4: well, I we were shocked, to be honest. It was, uh, it was definitely not a sure deal up until the ink was dry. So we were very, very pleasantly surprised. We took nothing for granted. We never assumed for a minute that it would go through until it actually did. And we were just incredibly proud of the members of the Missouri Firearms Coalition for finally getting this across the finish line.
3: And were you present at the signing or no?
4: No, we sent our political director and some of our other guys down there um, over to Lee's Lee's Summit. That's on the other side of the state. So I was holding down air traffic control (laughs) and doing all all of the communications that day.
1: Yeah. So for people who have maybe heard about this the last couple of years but don't know the details, just just lay it out for them, Alex. What does this do to protect our Second Amendment rights in Missouri?
4: Well, basically what the Second Amendment Preservation Act did was declare any federal gun laws that restrict the use of our firearms within the state of Missouri uh, were going to be unenforceable by Missouri officers meaning that we weren't going to use any resources, any financial resources or manpower to enforce um, gun control laws. And that includes gun control acts, laws, whether they were passed in, uh, in the past, present or future. No new taxes, registration requirements, prohibition on possession, orders of confiscation. All of that stuff is now not enforceable in the state of Missouri, similar to um, the federal marijuana laws.
3: Alex, when uh, when was the uh, first talk of the SAPPA uh, rule or the bill, if you will? Like, how long ago did somebody go, we need to have the Second Amendment Preservation Act? Was it three years ago? How, how long of a fight has this been?
4: Um, well, yeah, this has definitely been an ongoing fight for the better half of a decade already. Wow. And the language, the language has changed over time. Uh, the reason we are so proud of the SAPPA bill that we at, were able to actually finally get through was the fact that we've got some real teeth in this bill. There's a, a mechanism for enforcement that has been lacking in not only our Sapa bills in the past, but Sapa bills that um, have been presented and passed all over the country. So we actually have uh, a manner of recourse for citizens that have their rights violated here, and that, is, that has been unseen so far to date. So it, it not only is the best Sapa bill, you know, the best thing we could have done to protect Missourians this year, but it's the strongest APA bill in the country. So we're we're incredibly proud of the progression and, and what we were able to get accomplished this year. Yeah,
1: you know, I I think it's interesting, Alex, because, you know, I had the governor on on my program when this thing was still sitting there being looked at. And he said he supported it, but it still had to go through some hoops. So I'm guessing he was waiting on his attorneys to sign off on it um it, was that your impression? Because you said you, you weren't taking anything for granted when you were waiting to get this signed.
4: Yep. And that's, you know, always, there's always the story of why we've got to delay the vote, right? So when it came down to it, all of the Republicans in Jefferson City made this feel like it was a done deal and they worked really hard for it or whatnot. But keep in mind that Sapa didn't pass until the last hour of the last day of session this year. Right. It came down to the very wire with everyone saying that, oh, yeah, of course, we'll do it. Of course, we'll do it. Don't worry about it the entire time. So knowing that we had now been sitting there for weeks and it being on the governor's desk, we weren't going to take anything for granted because he could have just as easily have vetoed this or ignored it as well so we kept the pressure up the the members of the missouri firearms coalition are fire breathing dragons when it comes (laughs) to protecting the second amendment they kept calling they kept emailing everything on social media nobody could go anywhere from governor's office without being uh encouraged to strongly encouraged to get that sapa bill signed and i really honestly feel that it was the outside pressure that made it so nobody had a choice. They had to get this done for us this year, and that was because of all of the the communication to the governor's office and and to the um, legislature before that.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, of course... I knew this would happen the minute this got signed because the 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 progressives, the the moms against guns, uh, the, all the crazies came out of the woodwork, including their their uh, friends at the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and they ran to the federal government and said, "Hey, what about this bill?" And of course, uh, the Biden Justice Department was happy to trot out somebody uh, who uh, an acting attorney general who claims that. This thing is in violation of the U.S. Constitution's Supremacy Clause. What's your reaction to that, Alex?
4: Well, this isn't based on the Supremacy Clause. This legislation is based on the anti-commandeering doctrine. You know, and that's the, that says that the federal government cannot simply commandeer the state's legislative process or force its agenda on the state's. So I, we've got over 170 years' worth of precedent. Um, baked into this bill, that's definitely something that we have thought of. The bill is written in, in a manner in which we're we're playing on the, com- the anti-commandeering doctrine. I don't think that we're going to have any troubles at all. If we have the right to tell the federal government that we're not going to enforce their their federal marijuana laws, we have every right to tell the federal government that we're not going to enforce their gun control laws.
3: I hope that is true. In the article I read, it said Missouri's law would subject. Law enforcement agencies with officers who knowingly enforce any federal laws to a fine of about $50,000 per officer that violates this. Uh, there's another chink in the armor uh, when it uh, comes to young people wanting to become police officers or, or even seasoned police officers. This is this is frightening if, if that could happen. Is that true?
4: Well, yeah, absolutely. If they are knowingly violating the rights of the citizens then their department should absolutely be fined. We want to encourage good, strong um, law enforcement officers with integrity. But the one thing that we don't need is law enforcement officers that are are feeling pressured to go ahead and enforce the laws coming out of these big cities. So the reason that that is in the bill, that is the enforcement mechanism. That is what's going to keep Um, the law enforcement communities in the middle of St. Louis or Kansas City that maybe have the Democrat prosecutors, that's what's going to keep them from actually just ignoring Sapa altogether. They're going to be fined if they violate the Second Amendment rights of their citizens.
1: Yeah, I think importantly here, just to clarify, the fine would be levied against the agency, not the individual officers, correct? That was a clarification in the bill.
4: Yes, that is correct.
1: Yeah, oh, okay yeah, yeah I thought so I I, I I think you and I talked about that uh, the other day so good so this thing had an emergency clause in it it's in effect
3: right now now that the governor signed it I think this is huge Alex uh, you know uh, do you know Patrick Holland personally?
4: Um, no, I don't believe so. The name kind of sounds familiar.
3: Okay, well, it just shows how big the circle of Second Amendment supporters there are. We had him on uh, recently. Uh, he's from Truth Money and Freedom podcast, and he said the way this uh, SAPPA bill is designed, it is. And, and you sound very happy with how it is written, uh, even at this, you know, this stage. Um, it's going to be a great example for other states to follow this example in their states to to protect their own Second Amendment laws.
4: That is correct, and we're already seeing that. There were a lot of states that had their own SAPL language going through the, their um, representative chambers. A lot of them were looking to see, were we actually going to do this, or was just this just you know a lot of hot air? And the fact that we've actually got it signed by the governor is going to give a lot of cover for those uh, pro-gun groups and other states to make sure that their legislatures do this, too. <clears throat> So their precedent has been set now, and now it's off to the races. I think that we will see stronger Sapa bills and um, more states um, coming out with their first Sapa bills uh, in greater numbers next session and the one after that.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Alex Salzman from the Missouri Firearms Coalition. You know, Alex, the timing on this just about couldn't have been better. I just got done reading an article from maybe June 7th or 8th that the Biden Department of Justice had outlined basically the, their gun confiscation plans, right? In other words, red flag laws or emergency court orders that would allow somebody to go in and seize weapons from someone's uh, person or from their home. And, and basically what they've done is soften these things up to the point that in many cases it can be done without the individual being present, Um, You know, you worry immediately about whether or not due equal justice is being played out here. You know, due process. If you don't have the right to, to argue, anyone, in other words, anyone can go in and make a claim and a judge can decide you're a danger and you need to have your guns taken away.
4: Yeah, absolutely. The proceedings that determine whether or not you you you're stripped of your firearms happen in complete secret. And these gun seizure orders will be issued before you've, got, um, before you've been convicted or charged with anything. You don't have to have a criminal background at all, and you can have your firearm seized before you've ever set foot in the courtroom. And the big thing is the evidentiary standards that they're reducing this to. This is a, um, a God-given inalienable right to bear arms, and we're taking it from the criminal court proceedings, which would be a beyond all reasonable doubt measure, And we're just reducing that to a preponderance of the evidence in civil court, which is just like a 50-50 chance that he could be guilty type of thing. That's not strong enough by any means um, to, when we're talking about the second, when we're talking about your Second Amendment rights. So there are a lot of really dangerous problems with these red flag gun confiscation laws, no matter how you spin them. Even the Republican approved red flag laws that are coming out of some of the more um, moderate Republicans. They're full of holes. They should absolutely be regarded as very dangerous um, dangerous proposals. And while we are definitely not going to have to deal with the federal red flag stuff because of the SAPA bill we just passed, red flaws is something that sneaks up into every Missouri legislative session as well. If they don't at least hear this bill every year in committee. They'll try to tag this this language on to um, bills dealing with domestic violence, or, or they'll try to get it in and sneak it in somewhere else. So we have to be vigilant when we talk about these red flag gun confiscation orders because they are incredibly, incredibly dangerous, and they can creep up on you in places you wouldn't expect.
3: It is frightening to think of red flag laws on on how flimsy it is. It could be just me saying, hey, that guy over there, I don't trust him. He's got too many guns, whatever, and and, and then jack up the courts. You have all these cases that would be stacked up, wouldn't be able to get through them. Uh, The frightening thing is all these people are trying to sell their homes and move to other areas. How do you know about your neighbors you know h- how do you know who they are you're gonna want to move out in the woods like I live uh, because we've seen already a lot of Californians moving to Texas and guess what they're just not bringing their furniture they're bringing their ideals with them to change some of these red states to blue or vice versa and, and, and well not vice versa but you know what I'm saying and and it's also frightening I saw a report marked that uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago um, the big picture if you it, you know and, and once in a while is it just somebody says something and just wow that's what's happening. Defund the police. They're getting big trouble. Lots of murders. It's scary. Then the national police has to come in and take over. Well, what does that look like? That's that's right out of 1984. We have yeah. a
2: national police... Well, <laughs> fed, federal
3: police. Right? It could yeah. be it could be created uh, quickly, but
1: but bear bear in mind those same federal police that Lori Lightfoot's asking for during the Trump administration. They were referred to as jackbooted thugs. federal thugs. Remember that, right? right. So how quickly yeah. the worm turns. Boy. You know, Alex, we, you got to pay
2: attention. Another point that you made that if they tie up the courts, and then when there's an actual red flag that needs somebody needs to be red flagged, there'll be so many cases ahead of that flag that that person's gun won't be taken away. And he'll go on a spree. <laughs> and So, so, right. so the time, so when it's supposed to be actually used correctly, yeah. And so if everything's frivolous, it won't work like it's supposed to. Right.
3: And where's the manpower to go and confiscate all these uh, guns or what? I don't know. It's the red flag thing is just frightening to me. But uh, Alex, congratulations. A... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: Well, I was going to say you make a, a really good point with the false accusations. False accusations are a real thing and they're a real problem. You know, we've got over 700,000 false accusations every year uh, with divorce and custody disputes. We all saw what happened to Kavanaugh. And with cancel culture the way it is right now, those are things that we seriously have to consider when we're, we're offering the power to strip someone of the Second Amendment rights because of your opinion of your neighbor or your neighbor's opinion of you. We're not in a place in society right now where we can afford to just go on the honor system and do the preponderance of the evidence in civil courts. Red flags are a horrible idea for um, a whole host of reasons, and we'll keep our eye on it for sure. It's yeah. definitely, definitely not going anywhere.
1: Oh, we know the Missouri Firearms Coalition's not done, so you've got Sappa in the in the rearview mirror now. What are you working on for the next legislative session?
4: Well, like I like I was just saying, we're always going to be paying attention to the red flag language that they will be trying to maneuver in any way they can. Um, I think we all have seen Mark McCloskey, um, the pink shirt guy from uh, St. Louis. He's now running for office. What that, his origin story really brings to light that we've got some strengthening of our castle doctrine that we need to work on. Um, If anybody, everybody remembers that he was, he and his wife stood out on his porch with their firearms to protect their home and themselves from uh, the protesters and uh, everybody that was charging down the street. The fact that he got in so much trouble, that he was charged, that, that he went through a legal nightmare just because they, he, they were trying to protect themselves means that we've got some serious strengthening to do there. So we're definitely going to be taking a, a closer look at our castle doctrine to see what we can do there. And then we still have uh, about a dozen or so gun-free zones in the state of Missouri that we've been trying to get rid of for quite some time. That we're going to continue to push on. We've got bill sponsors in the House and Senate again next year to end the gun-free zones that we've got. So we'll be we'll be uh, marching forward with that too next year.
3: Good. I would like to add in uh, for those people that are listening intently to this conversation because this has been a big couple of weeks here for the state of Missouri, and the story doesn't end. I mean, it 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 keeps you know shifting and pivoting. Uh, Alex, how can good, uh, law-abiding, Second Amendment-supporting Americans truly help you? Like, truly, you know, is is it simply uh, writing the governor? Is it simply just contacting you? Is there a donation that needs to be made? And I, and I mean this because people are try- driving down the road or listening right now going, what can I do as a citizen? What can I do to help this woman, Alex, uh, you know, keep this fight going?
4: Well, you nailed them all. What we do is <laughs> I'm <laughs> awesome. I win. We gather all like-minded gun owners and we make sure that we're all taking the same move or the same action at the same time. So join us, go to missouri sign up for our email so that you get updates. And then what happens is we will get to session and we will all push for the same bill and we will let them know. As a united voice, what gun owners in Missouri want to see as far as gun policy coming out of Jefferson City. And then come election time, we will let everyone know, the politicians from Jefferson City, whether they have the R or the D behind their name, we will let everyone know and spend a lot of money letting their constituents know where they stood and how strong they stood on the Second Amendment. So if that sounds like something you want to get involved in, if you're passionate about the Second Amendment, Join us, org.
1: Well put. Alex Saltzman, thanks for your hard work on this, and uh, thank everyone involved as well. We appreciate you.
4: Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic. And do you guys, before you go, do you guys do events, like live events where we get together and and we, we talk about these things? Is there conferences, anything like that? Or is this all, can everybody support this virtually?
4: Oh, everybody can do this where you're at it's it's action in your backyard so we do a lot of live streaming we've certainly when when uh the session is in we will be live streaming from the capitol but yeah these are actions that you can take from wherever you are Uh, and we do do a lot of surveys before um bill pre-filing that that try to take a um i guess take the temperature of our members which of the gun uh, pieces of legislation, the gun proposals they would most like us to see uh, either whack down or try to get through. So we definitely um, have got email programs that, that we can figure out where everybody wants to go. Okay, uh, but, but yeah, it's a it's an action where you're at type of thing. All
3: right. Congratulations on the hard work, Alex. Yeah, thank, thank you so you, much. Thank you,
1: Alex. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're listening to the Second Amendment Radio in the Great Outdoors. I'm Mark Cox. He's Bo Matthews. That's Carl Middleman. We're going to be back in just a minute. Hopefully you found a place to stay cool and maybe get a line in the water this weekend. It's hot enough out there for sure. Welcome back to the Second Amendment Radio and the great outdoors. I'm Mark Cox along with Bo Matthews.
3: And we are going to go outdoors. Uh, You know, you scroll walls and you see people posting pictures and sometimes it catches you off guard. And uh, so we're going to talk to a buddy of mine, a guy that I've known for years that had the goofiest looking picture and smile on his face. Uh, this segment for the great outdoors is brought to you by Chuck's Boots in Fenton and St. Peter's and now online at chucksboots.com. Tell them both you when uh, you go to Chuck's Boots. Brian Davis uh, and I are, uh, I guess you would say, colleagues from many years, worked together on uh, on some projects before. And, uh, and so I, I'm scrolling my wall, Brian, the other day, and I see this this fishing trip you're on with a black drum is that the name or the kind of the fish you're holding because this thing is about almost as tall as you
2: yeah
5: i believe so Bo. I, I very well after my fishing buddies had, you know scrutinized the photo to make sure you know it was accurate it wasn't um, photoshopped <laughs> <laughs> yeah right uh, some of the guys think it may have very well been a buffalo, but you know what? It was just a really big fish, and uh, it was a heck of a wild ride there for a minute.
3: Well, I have to tell you, Mark, uh, you you may not know Brian, but uh, Brian is the guy, and I'm not a deer hunter because I'm married to a vegetarian. I am a carnivore, but uh, he is the guy that will go deer hunting and then give me deer meat in you know, nice. after. So he's that guy.
1: You need a friend like that.
3: But but yeah. I don't
2: want anything. Everybody needs a friend like I,
3: that. I don't want a package of any of this 45-pound black Drum. number one what were you fishing for brian i was
5: actually fishing in a i've been in a little club for like the last gosh i don't know 25 30 years uh that we go out fishing just a bunch of guys that uh, we were fishing for bass so not like <laughs> the big bass tournaments you see on the tv where you win a boat you make right. want a couple hundred dollars if you win those. but anyhow we were fishing the ohio river um and i was just out on the main river just kind of cranking a little crankbait along the through the stumps and uh I'd thrown up there, and i seen something swirl. I told my partner, I said, boy, I think I just missed something big. And uh, so I threw back up in there, and uh, I didn't miss it that time. <laughs> he, uh, he came flying out of the water, airborne, straight towards the uh, main river. Uh, I told my partner, I said, well, hold on, here we go.
1: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> uh, so, so you, we got to know, uh, Brian, because the, the fishermen out there are going to be wondering. So if you're bass fishing, you got a fairly light, pole to begin with and and what kind of pound test were you using were you worried at some point this thing was going to outdo your equipment
5: (laughs) oh sure yeah no it's i i you know i use a like a six foot uh six foot six medium heavy rod with a 15 pound uh you know test on it so it's it's pretty durable but it's not you know (laughs) it's not designed for 45 50 pound fish but uh but they had the drag set right and you know the it was uh just quite a long little fight there but it was uh <laughs> i mean we had a lot of laughs that's for sure trying to get that thing in
3: i bet and then when you saw it when it, when you got it out of the water and in your hands i mean 45 pound fish when you're bent you know over the side of a boat to get that out that that's some work did you uh, did you have a little help
5: well, I have a dip net, but it annihilated that dip
4: net. <laughs> Not so I in,
5: had to put it in head first, and it ripped half the dip net apart. So I just grabbed the dip net on both sides and just kind of flopped it up on my deck. And
3: there's some okay. goofy, there's some goofy looking fish out there that are so fun to, oh. to catch. Uh, we've got oh, yeah. carp in our pond, and and I swear it's mm-hmm. about it's in in relation to you and your black drum fish, it's a it's probably three quarters of uh, the size of my wife, or the height of my wife standing there. So these things are about three and a half foot long, but they are so fun sure. to catch. Yeah, I'll bet. And they they do such a great job in the water keeping it clean and all that stuff, but they're <laughs> so fun. Oh yeah, uh, I tell you what, yeah, there will be
5: stories for quite a while between me and my partner. So- I'm sure.
3: So what did you no. what did you do with this, Brian?
1: Did you keep it? Uh, is it is it no. good eating or not? No. Did You toss it back, no, baby. I, I,
5: I tossed it back, but I, I know a lot of guys. If it is a buffalo, and a lot of guys actually commercial fishermen go for those type of fish, but that's not what I was after. I was after a bass. So I um, I said I was bound and determined. I had to get a picture with it though. Yeah. After uh, after about thirty minute fight. So I said let's get a picture after it's already dirtied up my boat all over the carpet. <laughs> but I said, okay.
3: So, uh, I, I took had you... a little bit. To
5: get a hold of that sucker. He he kind of about broke my wrist the first couple times I tried to grab him. <laughs> but he finally he finally gave in and let me get a picture. So it worked out okay.
3: So who gave you the name Black Drum for the name of that fish? Is that was that a common Uh-oh. name in the in the cr- fishing crew you've got?
5: Well, I, I've caught them, I've caught them out there before. Oh. Um, and you know, they just are really, I mean, initially that fish, as you notice, is kind of silver looking, but when I first caught it, it was about black. It's called, oh, wow. I don't know if it's the stress of the fight or whatever it was, uh, really changed the coloring of the fish. Um, so they're known to be out there in pretty good size. And, um, uh, so that's, that's what I determined it was. And like I said, a couple of my fishing buddies scrutinized it enough to where they think maybe it could have been a Buffalo, but uh, it didn't matter. <laughs> it's just a big fish. And I was, uh, unexpected so it was fun
3: it's good did you did you uh, did it swallow the hook did it swallow your <laughs> pole i mean it could have it it's as been uh,
5: it got a hold of the crankbait pretty good but they're you know they're almost like a carp they don't have a really big mouth so yeah. they you know they they basically you know he hooked into it pretty good he wasn't coming off but uh yeah he was he was definitely uh been at my pole for yeah. For quite a while. Well let's talk about pulled the bass. I got a nineteen foot boat, that pulled me through the river. <laughs> <laughs> you need a bigger boat. So what was, biggest, what,
1: what, what was the biggest bass you caught that day?
5: You know what? Not that big. This no. Bass fishing was tough. I only uh, had a uh, couple fish and they're probably a couple pounds apiece. Nothing nothing like that. Um I think I came in seventh out of forty some guys in the tournament. But it was uh it's all more about guys fishing together and having a good time more than it is uh the money part of it it's just uh you know just a bunch of good guys fish together
3: well if you've been uh, you caught this big 45 uh, pound black drum fish in the ohio river do you and your in uh, your crew go to a bunch of different areas you go to arkansas you go to the lake of the ozarks where else do you guys fish
5: we're mainly Southern Illinois. We're based out of Belleville, Illinois. So we fish mainly uh, all the Southern Illinois lakes. We fish uh, Kentucky Lake. Um, our next tournament's out in Crab Orchard, out in Carbondale. Good for you. Uh, you know, Kincaid. So all the all most of the Southern Illinois lakes and a couple, the Ohio River and Kentucky Lake are two day tournaments because they're a little bit longer drive. So we yeah. uh, we actually make a two day adventure out of something like that.
1: Good stuff. Hey, Brian, great talking <laughs> to you. Congratulations on the fish. It's an impressive picture at the very least. <laughs>
5: Well, I appreciate you guys calling, and like my wife says, no problem with me telling fish stories, so she knows <laughs> it'll be natural for
2: <laughs> so this. This one at least has a picture, so yeah, yeah. it's proof yeah. 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 of this one, right? Yeah,
3: good stuff. It up. No yep. Photoshop. All right, thanks guys for calling. We'll be in touch, brother. Thank you very much. All right, have a good day. Bye.
1: Great fish story to to wrap up uh, Second Amendment Radio this week,
3: don't you think? It was. I what a great guy. And again, uh, if you're a if you're not, if you're a hunter. Uh, Now you know a non-hunter, and if you have extra (laughs) venison, hey, I got room in my freezer. Uh, But yeah, what a great show. And uh, thanks again to Alex Salzman, man. She is just a boss. Uh, She is. Love talking to her.
1: Yeah, MissouriFirearmsCoalition.org, if you missed that address earlier, go there, check out, show show them your support if you're a supporter of the Second Amendment, because they're working
3: working hard for you all the time. And And if
2: you caught a huge fish... Let us know about it, and (laughs) maybe we'll have you on.
3: However ugly it is, we want to see it. Uh, But to uh, the point of Alex's segment, which was uh, in-depth and and really uh, detailed, please share this podcast with anybody that you know is a Second Amendment supporter because we've got to get this information out. Again, the work's not done.
2: So you can go to the Odyssey app, and you can actually, if you missed it, you can rewind it and just hear what we just did 20 minutes ago. Or you can listen all the way back 24 hours ago. And so go to the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. If you already had the Radio.com app, it has turned into the Odyssey app. Right. But that's the best way to get podcasts. But it's anywhere else. It's also on the respective radio stations, KMOX or 97.1's Facebook page. And the websites, so go there and please listen.
3: And that is the voice of executive producer Carl Middleman. Hey, Pew Pew. And Mark Cox. My name is Bo Matthews. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening.
1: You and me going fishing in the dark, lying on our backs and counting the stars where the cool grass grows.
3: See you, boys.